everybody, welcome back to another edition of the Move Plus. We are breaking down stage 20 of the Volta Espana, the second to last day of the race, the real last day of um, actual racing, though. And Wout Poles wins the stage in fantastic fashion over Remco Evenepoel in a five-up bunch sprint. We will talk about that and the particularities of how that happened a little bit later in the show, but we're going to start off talking about Primoz Roglic, the Yumbo group, finally showing that they've backed up Coos and everything is good in Yumbo land. But first, let's hear from our sponsor. We've been telling you about our partners at Manscaped for some time, but we never really talk technology, right? It's like, what are, am I using here? I'm here to tell you that the Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer with advanced skin-safe technology uh, works at reducing nicks and cuts, which makes taking care of everything uh, a lot safer. You want to use the best technology and uh, another part of their technological masterpiece, it has a 7,000 RPM motor multifunctional on-off switch that can engage in a travel lock and a built-in 4,000K LED spotlight to help you see what you're doing. And their performance package comes with things to cool you down, like the Crop Preserver and the Crop Reviver. Once you start using these products along with your manscaping, you'll get it. You'll start using them as a regular basis. You'll love it. You're actually going to love it. And the Performance Package 4.0, which is one of the options, caps it off with two free gifts, the Manscaped Boxers and the Shed Travel Bag, which I use that travel bag for not only my Manscaped equipment, but all my other toiletries now. Bring in the fall right and get 20% off and free shipping with the code THEMOVE at manscaped.com. That's all one word, THEMOVE at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use the code the move and as the leaves fall make sure you have it all with manscaped all right johan what were your thoughts about i mean primos Roglic putting in some pretty impressive work for sep Kuss on the final climb you know could have been i guess a tricky situation but primos kept it under control seemed to have waved the white flag he's now behind team Kuss, him and Jonas, sep all on the same page good feelings all around what are your thoughts on on that and then do you think Yumbo has saved any sort of damage that they might have caused with the stage 17 uh, debacle. Yeah, well, you know, obviously there was uh, quite some criticism, you know, uh, after uh, stage 16 and 17, um, especially after the Angliru, I would say. And maybe, you know, and yesterday we talked about Primo's, his quote after the finish was so-so. Um, I think this morning he put that straight. Uh, he said that, you know, he, uh, he's very happy for Kuss, um, that he's a good friend, um, and that he agrees with, uh, with the strategy and the decision of the team. Um, you know, I think the picture behind me here shows, you know, what, what it means for them. Um, and I think, you know, Jumbo probably, I mean, they had a lot of talks and, and I think right now, whatever has been said, and especially, and we have to put ourselves within that group speculated by people who report or give their opinion on the race. I think that's all clear. Now we were speculating, um, you know, sometimes we're reading too much into certain things. And that's also the interesting aspect of this, uh, of this sport, you know, that there's so much going on and we, we, we try to see the dynamics within the team. Um, but yeah, I mean, nobody else knows than themselves what's going on. And I thought that, uh, you know, uh, the other day it was uh, Jonas who set the tempo on the last climb. Today it was clear 
that intentionally Primoz Roglic set the pace for Sepkus on the last climb. Nothing they had nothing to worry about, of course, uh, because you know, no matter. I mean, even if even if Ayuso or Landa went away, there's there's nothing to worry about with that kind of advantage. But I think they put the record straight. Um, you know, hats off to them to um, you know to make clear that this is the situation and that Jonas and and Primos are two great champions. And you know, I I would just like to say one more time, you know, we we. We are judging sometimes, but we forget that these guys are first and foremost bike raters who, who race to win. You know, and when they get into a situation that, that was not foreseen, it's sometimes difficult to accept. Um, but after all, they're professionals. And I think that, uh, you know, this, this picture in the back here is really telling. And I'm, I think that this is what, uh, Jumbo Visma and, and Richard Plugger is going to use. In the next uh, weeks uh, to come, to really say, "Hey, look, this is what we've done," you know, and one, two, three uh, in in the in the Tour of Spain, winning the Vuelta, winning the Tour, and winning the Giro in the same year—it's it, it's incredible, you know. And I think uh, you know, credit to them for having such a strong team, first of all, and for racing, you know, the way they have raced uh, in the three Grand Tours, and you know, finishing it off with with the guy like Sepkus is really incredible. Yeah, no, I thought it was a really nice gesture. It, it, obviously, they could just be fooling all of us and they really don't like each other and they're just doing this for PR. But I, I actually think that this shows maybe going like going back to stage 17, that might have just been business, not personal for Primo's. Like, hey, I still want to win this race up. I'm going to push you all the way to the line. And it wasn't some sort of betrayal. Um, potentially, we got a little carried away, all of us as a community with like, oh, what, what are they doing to set Coos? But I think... A comment, a commenter on on this show actually said that Jonas said to Danish TV that he wanted to back Sep on the second rest day. Roglic wanted to keep racing, and it was just a difference of opinion. And then that's what we saw on stage seventeen. And well, Roglic- I think actually, I mean, I, I would like to correct a little bit. Uh, I've I've seen several several reports that Jonas from the second rest day on said, "You know, this is for Sep," and that the team actually had not decided yet. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Said, hey, you know what? We're gonna win, and we'll see. We'll see what happens. But you know, race for it. You know, and and of course, Roglic w- agreed with that. And uh, and th- then finally, I do think, however, that the, you know the criticism on social media had an impact uh, on this. Um, but at the end, it's the nicest story they can get anyway. So, um, so yeah, I mean. And and good and good all good. This is normally. I mean, this is also telling. This is normally a picture we get on the last day, not on the second last day, right? Let's not forget there's still a stage tomorrow. I know, I know. They're gonna <laughs> and, wipe our brains. We're not gonna remember any of this infighting. I don't like what you're doing, Yumbo. You're you're tricking us. But I actually saw some like a take. It was kind of a counter take to all of this. It's like this is actually inappropriate because Sepkus is paid to be a domestique, and he should stay in his place. But actually, they played the Coos GC card. Like, if you go back to stage six, like they deliberately put him up the road and drove that, and drove that move with their own teammates to get him high, as high up in the GC as possible. You know, by doing that, and then, you know, how many times have you said this, Johan? At the beginning of the race, Primoz Roglic said Sepp Coos could win this race. Clearly, he was a third option, and it was a card that they played, and it kind of stinks for Primoz, but you know. And then I guess this is where I'm going. 
Should the other, like, is this a little embarrassing for the other teams that Yumbo basically tripped over themselves almost because they're so dominant that no one put up any type of resistance? Like, no, they couldn't. They, they, they couldn't. Uh, I think it's clear if you look at what happened on the Angli Roo, the three strongest riders went away and nobody else could follow. Uh, Ayuso couldn't follow, Enric Mas couldn't follow, Landa at first instance couldn't follow. So, there was nobody else left. And um, and so, of course, it's unique. Uh, it's unique. But I think actually the only, if you look at, you know, a podium swipe of Jumbo Visma, the only surprise on that podium is Sepp Kuss. We all thought that b- both of those guys, Jonas and Primoz, were going to be on the podium anyway. Yeah, but... I like. I always think of like Andy Hood at Velenus because he loves to talk about like the raids and the Spanish are always going to team up and and launch attacks. And but today, kind of like if you imagine, I don't know, what if Nairo's here? What if Alberto Contador is here? You know, when they ambush Froome, like should we have seen something from Enric Mas and Juana Yuso trying to get like really press Yumbo on a two hundred eight kilometer stage with ten climbs, they, or is it just they're too strong? No one can do anything. They were. They were hanging on for dear life themselves. I mean, what are you going to do? They were happy to follow uh, Hendrik Mas and, and, and Ayuso. They tried. I mean, Ayuso tried one, once or twice. And, you know, Hendrik Mas said now that he's completely empty. They just didn't have it. Uh, that, that's as, it's as simple as that. You know, the reality hits hard. But, and I've said it already many times, you know, Vingegaard and Roglic are two of the three best stage races in the world. And Pogacar is the third one and he's not here. So, what are you going to do? It, it must have been really frustrating and, and really uh, not, not very motivating to see that roster show up in Barcelona, the Jumbo Visma team, and said, what are we going to do with this? You know, I mean, it's like, what, what do you want us to do? Yeah. But so Juan Ayuso, I think, was six. So let's give him a pass. But Juan mm-hmm. Ayuso, Mikael Landa, Enric Mas, Vlasov, Uta Brooks, Almeida, they all lost time to Sepkus after the breakaway. Like Sepkus just straight up outrode exactly. those guys. Yeah. I mean, that, that, I mean, I don't want to be too critical, but that I kind of expected more from the rest of this group and that it put Yumbo in a little bit of a pickle almost. Yeah. But Spencer, how many times have we said it? Sepkus is one of the greatest climbers in the world. And let's not forget when he loses time, it's after he has done his job already after he's emptied himself for his leaders. And on, in this race, except on stage three, where he did it, otherwise he hasn't done it. He has not pulled one meter. I mean, he could, he could sit in the wheels. So it's kind of logical, um, I think. Well, we'll break down the stage win, but one more question for you before we move on. Sepkus 2024, is he domestique again or what, what's going on with that? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think so. I think so, but, you, you know, now, of course... And this, this actually puts Jumbo Visma in such a stronger position. Like, yes, he will be the, the, the domestic, for sure the last one, always. Uh, the last one to, to be there with, with the leader or with the leaders, depending on if, they're, if Roglic and, and Jonas are riding together or not in the same race. Uh, but now they can actually know for sure that they can use him as a rider that, okay, tactically, if we put him in the break, Hey guys, we know we don't need to be worried. This guy can win too. Yeah. It's just so much worse for other teams. It's like a human scarecrow this. now. Yeah. Yeah. He's uh he's there. Yeah, because it, it would freak you out. If he if he was in a breakaway at this tour, 
you could imagine someone calling their bluff like, yeah, well, you're really yeah. going to win with Sepkus, but now you, you wouldn't do that. You'd be pretty terrified. Yeah. But to pivot to the stage win, so minutes ahead, you know, 10 minutes ahead, the stage win was being fought out. We saw Remco Evenepoel get into the break, drive the break, just the usual playbook. This time, though, he had three teammates with him, so four total. Four Sudal quick step, yeah. Yeah, four to- total riders, big move. It looks perfect. I mean, tactically, like no notes for Sudal quick step from me. I think they did a great job. But they get to the final climb. And as I said yesterday, in outcomes, it's like, I just feel like Remco will have to pay the price for these major efforts at some point. And it looked like he did. You know, this isn't video. We were reminded this is not video games. You do get tired yeah. at times. And well, I said, not as strong as I well said today because I went, I went scrolling to the different commentaries and on, 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 on the, you know, on the broadcast, you know, and, and, on three different languages, in three different languages, I thought, I said, are these guys thinking this is PlayStation? It's like, okay, and now we're just waiting until Remco goes on his raid, you know, on, on, on yeah, when, yeah. When, when he started to demonstrate, guys, you know, it's stage 20. He's done so much already. He's not a robot. He can't have energy forever. And, and today we saw, yeah, he was, he was on a good day, uh, probably not on a great day. You know, because the, the days that he do, did those t- two individual uh, escapes, he was on a great day. He said himself, today he did have, you know, three riders working for him. So obviously he could save more energy than in the other breakaway days. And uh, on that last climb, it was clear that the strongest guy was Walt Pools. He was the guy who started the initiative with a lot of conviction went all the way to the top uh, in the company of this other young Belgian talent, Leonard van Eetveld. Great ride, great ride for such a young rider, first Grand Tour, uh, stage 20. I mean, that's, that's quite the performance, I think. Uh, and Remco just, you know, had to wait and go his own pace and, and, and finally made the move, but didn't make it. You know, even got dropped a little bit of the guy of Burgos, Pelayo yeah. uh, Sanchez, who's yeah. also... Doing an amazing, amazing Vuelta. He's not staying at Burgos, by the way. He goes to Movistar. Um, but uh, but yeah, I mean, but still then, you know, uh, then finally those five riders come back together and it becomes a tactical game, right? And uh, one could say, well, Evenepoel's not slow. He's already won some, some stages, uh, some races in the sprint. There's not really anybody fast in that group. He could probably win it from the from the sprint. But man, Walt Pools was today on a mission. He was the master of the breakaway, probably saving himself as much as possible early on, then really being the strongest in the on the on the last climb and definitely being the smartest in the last 500 meters because that attack through that last corner was was uh, was really masterful and. Um, yeah, I mean, to keep it from that last corner on with 350 to go uh, on a guy like Evenepoel uh, was, you know, quite impressive, actually. I mean, Walt Pools is, you know, he said himself, he's like fine wine, you know, he just gets better with age. And that, that also <laughs> happens in actually in a big tour. He's always at the best in the last week. Well, stage 16, he's third place. St- these are hard stages, by the way. Stage 17, fifth place. Those are legitimate results. Stage 20, first place. Like he's been probably the strongest rider in this third week out of the whole race. It, to me, though, and it, it was an incredible physical accomplishment to win the stage. It looked a little bit like a 35 year old versus a 23 year old. Like the fact that Remco 
let him sit last wheel going into what he should have known was a turn coming up. And I, I like an old school coach will always tell you, like, don't trust the Dutchman in a reduced bunch <laughs> sprint. And like, did Rimko not hear that advice? Because he just especially him- as a Belgian, especially as a, <laughs> I mean, you know, the Belgian, we, we Belgians and Dutch, you know, were, you know, as it happens with neighboring countries, right? And we, we the Belgians always say, yeah, I don't, tr- don't trust the Dutch guy, don't trust the Dutch guy, you know. But, <laughs> but anyways, uh, I think, I think Pools played it perfectly. He just waited, and w- when he went, he saw that Evenepoel was on the other side of the little group, and and before Evenepoel knew it, he had three bike lengths and uh, there's there was no coming back i mean it was incredible to, to attack into that corner i mean that's kind of what you're taught when you're a kid you're just like if if you want to attack go into a corner because everyone's kind of naturally slowing yes. or coasting yes true true but let's not forget it was 350 meters to go that, and after such a hard stage man that's 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 long but and yeah. you have to be really, really strong. And but today, today, World Pools was just really, really strong. Otherwise, he couldn't have won it. Because if you look, even a pool is sprinting behind the guy who's on his wheel, the Pelayo Sanchez, just has to let the wheel go. He was going so fast, but still, World Pools could keep even a pool off. So, yeah, I mean, this guy, uh, yeah, he won a stage in the Tour already. Now a stage in the Vuelta. Two really nice stages against two of the best bike riders in the world. Let's not forget, Walt Pools dropped Walt well, Van Aert in the yeah. tour. And now he beats Evenepoel. So, um, yeah, he's not doing bad for an old guy. Transitive property is Walt Pools the best young rider in sport. Is he the new superstar of cycling? Can he win <laughs> a Tour de France? We're just going to wind the clock back 10 years and start the same conversations over again. But if, what, what's really impressing, impressive, Spencer, is that, you know, if we remember, you know, like 10, 10 years ago or more, Walt Pools was the guy, was the Sepp Kuss of yes, Chris he Froome. Was. He was, when he, when he was pulling, there were three or four riders left in that little group in the, on the climbs. And 10 years later, he's in a different role and still winning races at the very, high le- very highest level of the sport. That's, that's impressive. I mean, he's somewhat dominating. It doesn't look as dominant because of the style of rider he is, but to, to be able to pick off these wins that he's getting is really impressive. And he is, don't forget, he's a monument winner. He won Liege best mm-hmm. on Liege. Um, it was like one of the most miserable editions I've ever seen. Really impressive win. If you had to pick, though, Johan, stage 18 versus this, and it was a good ride from Remco to even to get second. It was impressive. Which, which one do you think would have shown him to, I guess, have progressed tactically? Would you rather have seen him win this against five riders versus drop everybody? I think if today Evenepoel would have won, I personally would have, you know, put it as probably a better, nicer win than his solo wins, uh, because it it would have involved a lot of different things. You know, it would have been involved managing in the breakaway, being smart and tactically, and also winning when you're not at your best. Which, in my opinion, today. Remco was, as I said, n- good, not great. Uh, and, and that would have been actually really, really nice. But hey, as I said, this is not PlayStation, guys. It's the other riders are also super well trained, super well prepared, have talent. And uh, it's not like Remco is going to ride away from everybody every single day. Um, it's already impressive he's there. <laughs> You know, four four days four, four days out of I mean five I think five days yeah five 
five stages uh, after his you know downfall on the Tourmalet. So, um, but yeah, he's not going to win all the time. It's a good reminder of that. And this is probably our last move plus of of the Volta. So do you have anything else to share before we take off? No, that's it, man. Tomorrow to Madrid, bunch print. And um, yeah, we'll see. Right, we'll see sure. who takes that one. Make sure you wave at the Peloton as they go past your house. No, they and don't. They don't. They don't. <laughs> we, we want to imagine they do, though. It makes it better. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks, Johan, for sharing all your knowledge through these, uh, through these, these episodes. It's been really fun. And thanks, everyone, for listening. And we will be back soon. Don't count us out. When, when Primus Roglic goes to Movistar, we'll, we'll have an episode up right He's after. He's not going to go to Movistar. There's <laughs> no way. There is no way Primus I, goes to Movistar. I hope not. I don't uh, want to see that. I, I'm, not, I'm not 100% convinced that he'll, he'll stay. But after today, uh, you know, whatever we said yesterday, I think, you know, we, people need to understand that we're also speculating and, and getting caught up into, you know, the moment and what's happening. But if you really look at it, where is he going to be better than at Jumbo Visma? You know, uh, the chance that he wins the tour is very slim. Um, and and probably, probably, you know, if he would go to the tour, uh, you know, as the second most important rider on, on Jumbo Visma, maybe he has more chances than being the sole leader on another team. That's a great point. It's a great point. I think it's something a lot of riders fail to understand. You naturally don't think about things that way. But if Sepp Kuss would have left four years ago to be a GC rider, he would probably have fewer Grand Tour wins than he will by tomorrow. You know, a yeah. lot of times if you just stay at the best team, more opportunities will arise. Yeah. Well, thanks, Johan. And we will let you go. And thank you, everyone, for listening. Okay, thanks. All right, bye. Bye.